Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Before we begin, I want to let you know about a new show from Curious Cast that I think you might enjoy. It's called Russia Rising. Putin's Russia has been accused of using internet trolls, hackers, and even assassins to influence the West. This new investigative podcast hopes to unravel the giant mysteries with the help of those who know best. Russian trolls, hackers, Putin supporters, and even a former Russian KGB spy. Join Europe Bureau Chief of Global News Jeff Sample on a journey to unravel how Russia has gone from tenuous ally to a potential global threat. Listen to Russia Rising for free at CuriousCast.ca or wherever you're enjoying the super awesome science show. Have you ever eaten a worm on purpose? How about fried ants or grasshopper chips? What about wasp larvae? I hear it goes great with soy sauce. And don't forget scorpion saute. It's got a real sting to it. Now, the answer is probably no, or maybe, aw, heck no. But insects as a food source are growing in popularity and could improve global food security. And according to a few insect gastronomists, they may also help you stay healthy. I'm Jason the Germ Guy Tetro, and I'm going to take you on a journey into the science you don't always hear about. But once you do, it can blow your mind and maybe improve your life. And this week, I'm going to put a bug in your brain about getting insects in your stomach. It's time to get started. This is the Super Awesome Science Show. There's nothing like going to the local fair. It's got everything you need for a summer day. The rides excite you. The games challenge your strength, skill, and patience. And concerts bring both new and familiar names to the stage. Then there's the food. You can always be sure there will be plenty of choices to whet your appetite and keep you coming back for more. Now, apart from the usual fare like hot dogs, cotton candy, and delicious caramel apples, many fairs will feature some new items for you to try. And every year, there's a selection of curious and, at times, gut-busting treats. Who would say no to deep-fried butter or bacon and pickle balls? Now, if that sounds a little too filling, you might want to go for macaroni and cheese on a stick. Not rich enough? Then perhaps you could take some delight in ice cream dipped in 24 karat gold. These are just a few of hundreds of possible options for you to try. And over the last few years, another type of food has been buzzing on the midway. Let me just give you a few examples. Mealworm nuggets, with a nice side salad, of course. Scorpion pizza, no pineapple. Earthworm jerky, oh yeah. Ants on a marshmallow stick. And featured just a few months ago at the Pacific National Exhibition, those caramel apples coated in crickets. Now I'm sure your mouths are watering, right? No? Are you grossed out? Well, if you are, you're not alone. Most people in Western cultures consider insects to be pests, not food. After all, we've been trained to think that these critters represent the bad things in life. If you're upset, you have a bee in your bonnet. When you have a song you hate but can't get out of your head, it's called an earworm. And if you're feeling rattled or nervous, you're antsy or have ants in your pants. 
Even our nursery rhymes program us to hate bugs. After all, think about little Miss Muffet who sat on a tuffet eating those curds and whey until she saw that spider which sat down beside her and ended up frightening her away. Now, the idea of eating insects may seem ludicrous, and most likely you're not going to purchase them when you're at a restaurant or grocery store. However, when they're featured at a local fair or exhibition, it gives you the chance to try the bee without committing to the hive. It's one of the reasons insects are appearing in these places. It's a great, if not a little macabre, way to introduce them without asking you for a commitment. Call it a one-night stand for the palate. Now, if you've ever seen an insect option at a fair or exhibition, there's a good chance you've already met my first guest, Ryan Golden. He and his two brothers, Darren and Jared, have been taking their insect creations across the country in the hopes of getting you hungry for bugs. They may be doing this all in the name of fun, but as you find out, there's a much deeper reasoning for their efforts. I reached out to Ryan at his farm in the hopes of learning a little bit more behind his motivation of going to those fairs and exhibitions and where it's taken him and his brothers from there. Tell me, what's the reaction been like? So, yeah, I mean, it's actually been a very interesting transition to see. You know, when we first started doing these shows, um, eating insects was very new to a lot of people. Um, You know, it's something that they hadn't seen. It wasn't commonplace. And I'd say more people than not were reluctant to give uh, either our edible crickets or our edible mealworms a try. And over time, we, we really saw that change where... Not only was the concept not new to people, you know, they'd been exposed to it because of uh, the media that uh, we've received at Entomo Farms, as well as just the media that the industry in general has received, that more people had heard about it and more people were willing to try it. So what, what we've kind of really found is that, you know, it's one of those things that the more opportunities you have to bump it, bump into edible insects, you know. So the first time you, hear, you you kind of just hear about it, you're reluctant. Then you see it again at a fair. You've maybe had a friend who's given it a try. Uh, you, you see it again. And it takes about three or four interactions for, for people to really warm up and, and see eating insects as, as normalized in many ways. <laughs> so it's more like an evolution, And that's funny to me because I'm a microbiologist by trade and we talk about antibiotic resistance and how a bacterium has to see antibiotics three to four times before it gains resistance. It all sounds pretty familiar. Now, when I'm listening to you, I I think about the media. I mean, they've covered this quite a bit, but in my estimation, the articles seem pretty light in content. Uh, Do you think the same thing? Uh, You know, they they, they have been. I think they're growing more content um, as there's more science and research happening uh, at the, you know, at the university levels. And I think that's really what's going to convince people and be a major game changer for this industry is when people learn about the true health benefits of eating insects. Basically, what you're saying is that science is awesome when it comes to eating insects. A lot of anecdotal evidence, but we need, you know, the science behind it. Uh, you know, the proof is in the pudding. Now, from what I gather, you are actually involved in the science itself. We're very involved in the science, uh, you know, directly and indirectly. We sponsor, you know, with products, a lot of uh, university studies. And we're actually in the process of uh, working with Tufts University with the... uh, to uh, with their human life division there to start working on some 
some other studies which give real, uh, you know, scientific evidence to the benefits of, uh, you know, of eating insects. Now, in that context, when you think about it, insects really did start off as a fad food, right? Uh, you know what? I, I guess in some ways I would agree with it. I think that, you know, at the same point, we, we believe that we had, you know, the industry had legs to stand on and that we were, we were helping build an industry that was going to go from fad to, uh, you know, to an actual reality, to a mainstream industry. And you've really come a long way since those days at the fairs and exhibitions. If I'm correct, you are the leading, or, or maybe you're the exclusive distributor for one of the largest grocery chains in Canada. Uh, that is correct. Um, I mean, that was a major game changer, I think, for, for us and the industry was when, uh, when we became the supplier for the PC brand cricket powder through Loblaws. And what it, what it really did and what excited us the most was the validation. Um, it, this was the first large grocery chain, I believe, in the world to really put cricket products on their shelves and, and use their own brand. You know, PC is one of the most recognized brands in Canada. So I think it gave, helped give the consumer a lot of confidence as well in the product. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in that meeting with the Westons. That, that must have been such an experience. Yeah, definitely. Well, and the exciting part was actually that, uh, I, if I recall correctly, is that they approached us. It was a long negotiation. Mm-hmm. And I must say that, that Canada in general has been extremely important. Uh, sorry, Canada in general has been extremely supportive of, of what we're doing. Now, when we first started, uh, we were operating in such a gray area. There were no laws. There were no regulations around what we're doing. And we worked closely with the CFIA and with Health Canada, you know, to understand what needed to be done from a health and safety standard. Um, because at the end of the day, uh, you know, insects, the way we see it is that insects are a legitimate food source. Uh, we'd love to see them in the Canada Food Guide as, uh, you know, a food category. And as a food producer, you know, the last thing we want to do is make people sick with, uh, with unhealthy foods. Now, when you think about the Canada Food Guide, we already know that there's a huge diversity. I mean, here in Canada, it's no longer just one guide. I mean, we have several guides. And, and we know that there's a tradition of eating insects in many other cultures. So I guess, in a way, what you're doing is you're filling a niche with a food that's already been around forever. It's just that here in our modern society, we're just not used to it. Yeah, definitely. It's as you say. It's in in some ways going back, you know, to if I can say our, you know, our roots, you know, to our traditional foods when we were still, you know, hunters and gatherers or as a society. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film. If only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And I think Western culture just be- just became removed from it and it became, you know, almost there, there was an, an ick factor associated with eating insects. And we're working really hard to normalize that again. You know, it wasn't that long ago that, uh, you know, lobsters were considered, uh, you know, an icky food to eat and to prisoners. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if you look at sushi in, in that sense as a North American phenomenon, it's, you know, it's really grown and exploded over the last probably, you know, 15, 20 years um, where it's now normalized and everyone seems to eat sushi. So hopefully, you know, we'll see crickets as the, the sushi of the 21st century. Ryan and his brother's story is fascinating from a food services perspective. Taking an item of food that most people consider to be disgusting and turning it into a nationally recognized brand is really impressive. Yet, there is a deeper reason for the efforts. Food security. It's a major concern in the world. We need to find ways to keep everyone fed. And while we here in Canada may not think that this is a problem, it's a huge issue in many parts of the world. What's even worse is that it may end up affecting us here in Canada one day. Now, most of our food comes from agriculture, which focuses on crops and livestock. While there are dozens of harvest options, we tend to focus our food supply on a handful of plants, such as wheat, corn, rice, soy, and canola. We also rely heavily on only a few animal sources, beef, pork, and chicken for the most part. So to keep those animals alive, we need to reserve some of our grain yields for feed. It's a cycle that works for the most part. But should one or more of our crops collapse, the efforts can be disastrous. Now, what's the solution? That's right, bugs. You might be thinking this is all new, but the idea of eating insects, officially known as entomophagy, has been around for almost a decade. What's even more intriguing is that it all started as a protest. The year was 2010, and the Asia-Pacific Regional Office of the Food and Agricultural Organization of the United Nations Yeah, I know, it's a mouthful. Uh, Why don't we just call it the FAO? Wrote a report called Edible Forest Insects. Humans Bite Back. The title itself should give away the tone, but if you read the 200-page report, you realize there's some serious animosity at the idea of weakened food security as a result of modern agriculture. Just listen to the first lines from the text, and you'll get a sense of that anger. Quote, The practice of eating insects goes back thousands of years and has been documented in every part of the world. In modern times, consumption of insects has declined and ridiculed as old-fashioned and unhealthy. Now, for an international policy document, that's some pretty strong language as it directly challenges our Western way of thinking. But it doesn't stop there. Quote, It would be prudent to carefully consider the value of customary knowledge before discarding it too readily. In diplomatic speak, that's what we call shade. Now, just to be sure they hammered down the sentiment, they just added one more line, and and I quote, Studies point to the potential to produce insects for food with far fewer negative environmental impacts than for many mainstream foods consumed today. Of course, as with most protests against the mainstream, the report didn't take off. It was pretty much ignored. Which is a shame because looking back, they had a point. Just think of some incredibly hot food trends that were once considered well, well beneath us. Organic food. 
Remember when it wasn't pretty enough? Now think about how much you pay for an ugly tomato. How about natural farm-to-table restaurants? They were considered to be low-class, but now Michelin star restaurants strive to be as natural as possible. And don't forget artisanal foods, which were little more than village fare. Now we scramble for the latest concept in disruptive gastronomy. Though the words were harsh, the Asia-Pacific team was trying to be prophetic. In their minds, it was just a matter of time before people would put roasted katydids in their environmentally friendly reusable cloth bags along with their kombucha and kale crisps. Thankfully, a few people did take notice of the 2010 protest, and they attempted to put insects in the spotlight once again. In 2013, a Dutch group published a document that was less protesty and more useful. It was something along the lines of a policy cookbook allowing people to learn how to incorporate insects into their diets. Now, this shade-free version did quite well and inspired people around the world to start thinking of insects as a potential food source. For Ryan and his brothers, it was a way to change their vocation and, as you're about to hear, maybe help change the world in the process. I wonder if you could share with me and the listeners, what was the impetus from that report to make you decide to find some farmland and make some insect food? Well, it's, I mean, it's funny you say that. So, uh, Entomo Farms is, uh, is three brothers. It's myself, Ryan, my brother, Jared, and my brother, Darren. Darren and I have actually been raising insects for the pet trade for about uh, 15 years now. And when we saw the 2013 study come out, uh, you know, Jared, Darren, and myself all had a discussion around uh, forming a new company that was going to look specifically at raising insects for human consumption. Jared had a desire to, uh, you know, to work with Darren and myself. And that along with, I think it was Shark Tank, where Mark Cuban invested in a company called Chapul, kind of really, the stars aligned for us. And we said, you know what, it's time to, uh, to see if we can really make something out of this and become, you know, North America's first uh, farm, farming insects specifically for human consumption. In North America, we don't really see food security as a problem. But we do know that there are issues. I mean, we have droughts. Uh, They've happened here in Canada. Severe infections are going around, threatening our livestock. And, of course, we can't use the antibiotics because of resistance. And uh, out here in Edmonton, we are hearing about commodity pricing problems that are threatening the livelihood of farmers. So, reality is, food security is a major problem. And so I'm wondering, do you see insects as being a way to alleviate the pressures we face today and and maybe into the future? Yeah, I I definitely do. And I think, you know, what we, in terms of the uh, the 2013 study from the UN and the Food and Agricultural Organization, what it really looked at was the impeding population growth and how we're going to feed the world's population, especially when it comes to protein. And insects seem to be the, you know, the, the perfect uh, solution because they are such great converters of feed to grain. So, you know, you can use a lot less land, a lot less feed and produce a lot more protein. Okay, I'm going to stop you there. I've seen some studies that warn that insects may not be as prosperous as we think. They did all sorts of calculations to find out how much it will cost us to make insects instead of, say, beef. Now, I'll be honest, I've been pretty skeptical of the studies, and I'm just wondering if you have any reasoning scientifically as to why insects may be better than, say, a cow, a pig, or a chicken. Yeah, well, I mean, I I, I first off want to say that, 
you know, we are certainly not not anti-meat and not anti-chicken. We just believe in in a reduction of you know those food sources. So if you can cut w- out one or two meals a week of you know meat, chicken, or pork, and replace it with an insect-based diet, you can have a huge impact on you know on your health and the environment. So you know. Th- th- as I mentioned before, in terms of the fact that insects are such great converters, they also don't produce me- they don't produce methane. They use a lot less water than than traditional um, agricultural farming methods do. So we feel that they're a, a great alternative. On top of the protein, are also all the other macronutrients and uh, minerals that are contained in insects. And what the research is actually showing is it's the bioavailability of all these uh, minerals and uh, micronutrients. So whether it's the B12, um, there's a really interesting study that just came out um, from a, uh, a, a gut biome study. Out of, I think it was a woman out of uh, Wisconsin, University in Wisconsin. What she did was she did a, a double blind study where she had, I think, 30 people eating you know, regular diets and 30 people eating an insect-based diet with mm-hmm. the cricket powder, and she noticed a significant increase in the gut uh, flora um, to the people who were eating the insect powder. So what it showed is that the chitin, which is a prebiotic fiber, is actually feeding the uh, probiotics um, and for creating a much healthier gut in people. So basically what you're saying is bugs are helping bugs. Bugs are helping bugs. Exactly. Okay, I got to ask you, when you look at, say, a crawfish, and I don't know if you've had them, but I absolutely love them. Before you can eat it, you have to do a couple things. First, you have to take the head off, uh, usually bite the head off. Then you remove the gastrointestinal tube, and, and then you can eat whatever's left. What part of an insect do I not eat? If I've got a mealworm in front of me, I mean, do I have to rip off the end or do I, you know, open it up and remove the gastrointestinal system? I mean, do I eat the whole thing? Yeah, no, you're eating the whole insect. So whether you're eating our whole roasted crickets or whether you're eating our cricket powder, that's 100% of the insect. It's uh, the crickets are, you know, we, we, call, we call it our processing center. And, uh, you know, a lot of people in the, in the food sciences have said that it's actually not a processing center. It's a rinse, roast and grind center. <laughs> <laughs> the insects are rinsed, they're roasted and they're ground into a powder. There's no manipulation of, uh, you know, of any parts. There's no additives. So it's an extremely clean food source. Do you think you might be able to move into the coffee market now? Brood crickets? We haven't tried, uh, you know, we haven't put crickets down the coffee filter yet. But, uh, you know, they are, the beauty of it is as an ingredient is that it can really be added to so many things. So whether it's, a, you know, a yogurt in the morning and you're adding your cricket powder, you're making a stew and you're adding your cricket powder, you're baking, you can add cricket powder. Uh, you know, it just becomes a, an ingredient or a food additive to add nutrition to, you know, to almost anything that, uh, you know, to any any food that you can make. And with that said, you know, we are, uh, I just got back from a trip to Madagascar with a humanitarian project that we're working on. You know, Madagascar is one of the poorest countries in the world. I think about 50% of the population there are malnourished. So what we're looking at is setting up some uh, local cricket farms, teaching some of the communities there how to raise crickets 
so that we can bring nutrition into those communities. So not only are you part of Canada's food change, it looks like you're trying to help the world as well. We're trying to, you know, one cricket at a time. Oh, I love that. Now that's a motto for life. Take things one cricket at a time. Welcome to SAS Class. This week, we have got a great topic that will certainly give you some SAS. Now, as you've heard, insects may help solve food security, but there's still one question that needs to be answered. Are insects really more nutritious than traditional foods? Well, to answer that, we're going to put Little Miss Muffet's choice of curds and whey to the test. It's time for cow versus cricket. Now, to help sort this out, I've enlisted two guest teachers for today, Sylvia Ronzani and Claudia LaRocca. They are both insect researchers, better known as entomologists, and they're using their knowledge in a very unlikely place, the kitchen. They are the co-owners of Camola Sustainable Foods, which specializes in insect treats such as bugscotti and crick chips. And uh, take a guess what they're using instead of potatoes for that. I've reached them on the phone at their kitchen here in Edmonton. Thanks for inviting us. Thanks for inviting us. All right, let's get straight into the lesson. We are constantly being bombarded with information on the nutritional value of everything from green vegetables to fruit and even dairy. What makes insects so nutritious? Well, the good thing is um, if you compare insects to other foods or even to some protein uh, shakes, the difference is when you think about, for example, crickets, you don't have to do any transformation. So they are naturally high in protein and vitamins and also some minerals. So compared to, let's say, pea protein or some other extracts of other legumes, you don't have to do any transformation. So they're a natural, high protein, high vitamin and high mineral uh, food, basically. You both study insects in an academic environment. Now, how does that intersect with making bugscotti and farinata flour for Italian dishes? And, and don't tell me because you're Italian. I, I want to hear some good reasons. Well, um, we are both passionate about um, talking about science uh, to people. And we thought, well, food is the best way to gather everyone together. And then from there, we can start talking about why uh, we want to use insects, where the ingredients are coming from. And, um, and so that's why we decided to start this business, because basically uh, we can do both. We can talk about science and also uh, we can um, make food out of it. So uh, it's, it's just a perfect fit for us. Now, one of the major problems with regular food is the processing. And, and I know that you just said that there's no transformation. But when we talk about from farm to fork, we know that there's going to be certain types of exposures. There's going to be pesticides, antibiotics, even plastics. Are there any chances that we're going to see the same problems when it comes to insects? Not if you buy them from a uh, well-known source. So all the insects that we use on I would say 99.9% of the companies on the market right now use are farmed, which means they are basically raising barn-sized, sorry, insect farms. So everything is done indoor under a controlled environment, under controlled conditions. There are no pesticides. Their food is controlled. They are, in 99% of the cases, controlled by health inspectors. So compared to, again, to other sources of uh, 
food is come from outside, these are more safe. There is no pesticides, no insecticides, of course, otherwise they will all die. And they are all uh, raised using natural products. Most of, in most cases, they are fed grains or oats. So all natural products. <laughs> I have to tell you something that I, I, I'm, I'm actually learning as well, because as you were talking there, you actually said that you can't use insecticides as it's going to kill the insects. And I mean, that just makes so much sense. I have to admit, I've got some of the Bug Scotty here, the orange version, and I'm going to actually chow down on this. And I want you to tell the listeners where they can find you and uh, how to contact you. Absolutely. So right now they can uh, find more information about us on our website, camolafoods.com. It's spelled C-A-M-O-L-A, foods.com. And if they have any questions, they can always email us. We're always happy to chat about what we do and why we do it. Well, that's it for this episode of the Super Awesome Science Show. I hope you found it delicious. If you have any questions or want to make a comment on the show, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at JATetro. For ideas longer than 280 characters, you can email me at thegermguy at gmail.com. Remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, don't forget to rate and review us. It helps us to get more people to find the podcast. Have a great week. Enjoy yourselves. And remember, when it comes to science, always show them some sass.